Om Jnana Tvirandhasya Jnana Shalakaya Chakshurin Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Guravena Maha As usual in Srila Prabhupada's purports, we find a completely different outlook on life to that of the materialistic society. Especially the out, it's especially different from the outlook of the modern materialistic society. Of course, we shouldn't think that Prabhupada's outlook is just his opinion as compared to the opinion of modern fools and rascals. The very idea that everyone should just have their own opinion is another outpouring of the foolish rascaldom that, that is widespread in the modern age. A Prabhupada didn't write these books just out of his opinion, but he is presenting the opinion of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, which makes it valuable. Otherwise, it has no more value than the daily newspaper. Or in fact, the newspaper might be more valuable because at least it's talking about current events instead of some activities purported to have taken place some thousands of years ago. The Srimad Bhagavatam is valuable because it's absolute knowledge. And it is absolutely valuable. Whereas the newspaper is of very little value uh, because it reinforces our illusory bodily concept of life. That's not only the newspaper, but any literature, crows literature, produced for crows, by crows, uh, it is all simply creating crow-like mentality. The Srimad Bhagavatam is recalling the activities of Maharaj Yudhishthir. Before Maharaj Yudhishthir and after Maharaj Yudhishthir, there were so, and even at the time of Maharaj Yudhishthir, there were so many other kings. But Maharaj Yudhishthir is being described because he is a great king, not great simply in the matter of conquering others, but his greatness lies in his pure devotion to the lotus feet of Krishna. And thus he is a suitable person to be the king of the world. To be a king of the world uh, and a representative of Krishna, one has to be actually a very great representative of Krishna. As the saying goes, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. You have that saying in Bosnian Serbel creation? No, you don't have it. <laughs> power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Just like to give a small example, sometimes we find very nice, humble devotee cleaning the floor, and then they're given some position, and then they then they become the uh, devotional representative of Yosef Stalin or someone like this. <laughs> Ever saw that? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it happened in Bosnia, but it, it happened in many other places. <laughs> but Yudhishthir Maharaj, he was not corrupted. So this saying is actually not correct. Power gives the opportunity for the bad propensity in the heart to uh, be manifested. But in the case of Maharaj Yudhishthir, it didn't manifest because it wasn't there. So such a person is qualified to be king of the world. 
And one can only have such a quality if he is a pure devotee of Krishna. So it's not an it's not an not an ordinary devotee can be king of the world and actually be a representative of Krishna. <coughs> oh, Maharaj Yudhishthir, even among great kings who were devotees of Krishna, he was exceptional. The symptom of a great devotee, a great Rajarshi, is that he has no desire to exploit or lord over others. There are many folk stories, they must be from Bosnia also, or fairy stories of how someone is from a very poor background and they be, they're dreaming of how I could become the king and, or, the, or the, they make him the king or the queen or something like this. Because they're, they're dreaming of the opportunity to enjoy great wealth and opulence and lord it over others. But we have the example of the Rajarshis in Bhagavatam who they, could, they had all the opulence of the world under their control but they just dropped it immediately. They were all ready to leave it just to go to the forest for austerities to find Krishna. And we find the example of Maharaj Priyavrata who uh, he was asked, you come and be the king. He said, I don't want to, I want to be a brahmachari. And it took a, you know, only when he, there was like heavy duty pressure put on him. And then he agreed. But that, okay, all right, I'll do it. All right. Okay, I'll do it as a duty. But only for some time. Then I'm going back to the forest. So he didn't want that position. He had no desire to exploit. His only desire was to serve Krishna. So when he was uh, convinced that he could also serve Krishna in that position, then only he accepted that position. So uh, under the reign of such a person, of such a king, then there is no need to grossly exploit the earth. Here in Bosnia it would be considered a blessing for the country if there was some ruler who actually cared for the well-being of the country and who arranged the industry and all these things so that there was an improved economic condition. We see in different countries, sometimes in some countries, different leader takes over and then the whole country becomes industrially developed in Qatar, which is a small country. I think it's even smaller than Bosnia. In uh, in the Persian Gulf or Arabian Gulf, depending on which side of it you're on, um, he kicked out his father, the, the king, the present king, kicked out his father from the job and developed the massive natural gas resources and now Qatar is a wealthy country, whereas previously it was very poor. And in Dubai, which is a an emirate or a state of the United Arab Emirates in the same area, the present sheikh has developed the desert into an amazing modern city full of stinking with money, actually. Stinking with money. Money, money, money. So people think, oh, this good ruler. They've done very well. But the whole approach is of their economic development is not approved by the Bhagavatam. It's all artificial. It is all based on 
exploiting the earth. Whereas we find in this verse and the previous verse that Maharaj Yudhishthira, at his time, the earth automatically gave her riches. There's no need to develop big industries and have complex arrangements for Ugra karma. But simply, if one, uh, or if the whole society was based on pleasing the Supreme Personality of Godhead, then Bhumi Devi, the earth, who is the wife of the Supreme Lord, she is pleased to uh, give forth her riches. So if the king was pious and uh, capable, then automatically all wealth would be produced. Pious means uh, desirous to act in the manner as ordained by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. And capable means he should be capable of performing his duty as a king. It can be a very severe task. That the king was a uh, great devotee of the Supreme Lord doesn't mean that he was a coward or a wimp. In Orissa, it's sometimes propagated that Orissa lost her strength, her independent position because of Maharaj Prataparudra becoming a follower of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And then because of becoming a devotee, he became emasculated and the whole means he lost his masculinity. And, and then uh, he became, then the whole uh, royal dynasty became weakened and Orissa was able to be conquered, which up to that time had remained independent. But that is a misunderstanding that a Vaishnav must necessarily be uh, non-violent. In fact, the, we, the two uh, shaping or building blocks of Indian civilization are Ramayana and Mahabharata, foundational literatures, you can say. And the hero in both cases is a Vaishnava and fighting Vaishnavas. Hanuman and Arjuna. Of course, in Mahabharata, there's a, no one hero, but he's the prince. Arjuna was the principal fighter of the war, which is the uh, focal point of Mahabharata. So, generally, a Vaishnava is non-violent, but if it is required, he can be ferociously violent. So, uh, the kings they would regulate society, so that everyone is doing their duty in service to the supreme lord. Maharaj Parikshit was ready to kill the rascal who himself was torturing the cow, the bull. Maharaj Parikshit. Yeah, Maharaj Parikshit. Parikshit. So that is piety on the behalf of the king. To protect the cows, the brahmanas, old men, women and children. But in the modern age, there's no such thing. Cows are slaughtered. There are no brahmanas because there's, been, there's, no, uh, there's no support for them. So whatever brahmanas there were have become converted into shudras. Now they're introducing in the legal system euthanasia. That old people, if they like, they can choose humane suicide. 
and after some time, even if they don't like, just like the child in the womb, they don't give any choice. That, would you like to get born or not? No, just go to the abortion clinic and have a pregnancy termination, as it's called. Very polite sounding term. Pregnancy termination. Sounds very official, doesn't it? Doesn't sound like murder, but that's what it is. And children, what protection? They're lucky to get born in the first place. And then uh, they're brought up with TV, Hellbox, and women are not protected. They protest. We won't be protected. We won't be protected. We'll be independent in all respects. And the men like it. And then you can use one after the other. So we cannot expect any auspiciousness in modern society. And for all their schemes of economic development, scheme means a plan, but it also it gives it has a, a nuance of some kind of uh, devious cleverness. If you say so in, if, in, if you say someone is scheming in English, it means they're making some kind of plot. That's why in translation you, you may lose so many things actually. So anyway, they're, they're making schemes for economic development. But uh, in doing so, they are ignoring the real purpose of life. The whole modern economic development is based on the misconception that life is meant for our enjoyment. And all their ethics and morals which they uh, rate so highly are also based on the same actually demoniac misconception. There is this uh, <coughs> United Nations Charter of Human Rights which the uh, modern humanists consider to be sacred but actually it's demoniac because it's based on the principle that we're all here, we're all human beings, we should all live happily together. But there's no mention of the Supreme Personality of Godhead and our duty to Him. In human, according to concept of human rights, someone should, if they want, they should be allowed to pursue any religion of their choice. And that is not Maharaj Yudhishthira's policy. Rather, people must be engaged in a manner that is for their actual benefit. You do not have the choice to be an atheist. We find that uh, after the battle of Kurukshetra in the assembly of Maharaj Yudhishthira, one Brahmana came and started blaming Krishna in so many ways. And he was killed for being a rascal. We find in Ramayana that Lord Ram killed a Shudra who was engaging in austerities because it was not meant for him. This may appear to be against human rights, but it is based on the principle of uh, acting in a manner that is best for that person who is uh, infringing, who is going against his proper duty. And it is for the benefit of all human society. Of course, we don't recommend that capital punishment be uh, instituted in human states unless there is a Rajarshi who knows how to apply that. But it's just to give an example of how the values of Vedic society are so very different to those of uh, modern society. What they consider, what is considered proper and beneficial for society is in many cases quite different to that of modern society.
The uh, Vedic version is based on actual knowledge of the human situation, of the cosmic situation. And the modern outlook is based on uh, centuries of development in intellectual ignorance. It is a, what should we call it, an... Uh, human-centric or anthrocentric vision of reality with man at the center, not ethno, anthro, not echo, anthro. I just made, I just made up the word. They don't, they don't have any such word. I just made it up. There is no word because there's no other concept. It's just like. Uh, I'm not sure, but I doubt in Tamil language there's any word for snow because they have no, they have no use for such such a word. There's no snow. You know, there's no snow within you know two thousand kilometers at least of Tamil Nadu. Whereas uh, the es in Eskimo languages there are more than twenty words for snow, all different kinds of snow. <laughs> but there, there's no in modern society. There's no term for uh, their outlook because that's the only one. They can imagine. There is a term theocentric, which means based around God, but such terms are not much used in modern. Of course, I'm speaking about English here, and I don't know what they use in your language. But term, there, there are many words which were used which no longer have any meaning. There's a word which comes up in the Bible quite a lot: fornication, which means sex outside marriage, but there's no use for such a word in modern... It's not sinful anymore, it's just... It's just sex, that's all. Inside marriage, outside marriage, man... Is, yeah. It's... Marriage, as many people say, marriage is meaningless. It's just a piece of paper, they say. So, how the values have changed. And then people are surprised when there's a... or upset when there's a tsunami or earthquake or something like that. And you say, well, this is proof there's no God. Because if there was God, He would arrange, He would just make everything nice so we could enjoy without yes. any disturbance. Or actually, the, the devotee sees, this is proof there's God. Because uh, they think they can enjoy without Him. And this is how God reminds them, I'm still here. But they remain defiant. Whereas in the time of Maharaj Yudhishthira, the earth completely cooperated. In Vedic society, if there was not enough rain, or too much rain, or too much heat, or too much cold, they'd blame the king. We find in Bhagavatam the description of the uh, Brahmana whose children died at birth, one after another. He said, I didn't do any sin in this life, or in a previous life. It must be the king's fault. These kings are useless. This could only happen if the kings were not pious. So even the rain, Kamang Parjana in previous verses stated, that the, the rain would just be according to need, because the king was pious. We cannot expect any any auspiciousness in modern society, in with this uh, outlook that simply we should organize our lives so we can enjoy it to the best of our abilities. That's why it's very dangerous to associate with, for devotees to associate with non-devotees. When asked about the uh, behavior of a Vaishnava, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu replied, 
Asad Sangatyag, a Vaishnavacha. Giving up bad association is the prime symptom of a devotee. It is so dangerous. The manner of thinking of non-devotees is completely opposite to that of devotees. Their whole outlook on life is completely different. I'll just give an example. I was uh, having a look at some books of uh, for training people how to be psychological advisors, psychotherapists. Uh, so they, they were giving transcripts of conversations between the psychotherapist and the so-called patient. And it was, all, it, was, it was all based on that I'm upset because I don't feel happy and I, I, where do I fit in and all this kind of stuff. Me and my mind. And the whole object of the psychotherapist was to make, to, to uh, give advice to the so-called patient so that they could readjust their thoughts and go on enjoying this material world. Oh, I'm so depressed. My husband doesn't love me. Whatever I do, he doesn't take any notice. But I can't imagine leaving him, even though he doesn't care for me. So the, the psychotherapist went through a whole, uh, went through a whole conversation convincing the young lady that actually you should just divorce your husband. Then you'll be happy. And she did. And she was happy. Very good rascal psychotherapist. Because they consider marriage is just, you know, it's just something for your sense gratification. So if you, if you don't get enough sense gratification, then get divorced. Marry someone else. No idea of what is uh, responsibility of human life. This, uh, the underlying... We can't really call it philosophy, but outlook. The underlying outlook is eat, sleep, drink, be merry and enjoy, for tomorrow we shall all be dead. We don't say that. We don't talk about death. Or an old man comes in and says, well, you know, my children and grandchildren, they don't need me anymore. I'm just a burden to them. I'm feeling depressed. So instead of telling him, Chan Hare Krishna, there's not much time left. They give advice on how you can tell jokes to your grandchildren and all this kind of stupid thing. <laughs> so they are the high priests of atheistic humanism. How we can become well-adjusted and become happy in life. They're so puffed up, they think they know what's best for people. And they want to... Uh, Although they say, you know, well, you should, everyone should just believe what they like, but they impose their demoniac value system on others. But nowadays, some of our... I, I actually never looked at a psychology books for, the, for like more than 30 years or something like that. But I know in, the, in recent times, devotees of... Devotees or some, some kind of species resembling devotees, <laughs> they, they've, they've become very interested in all of this. And I happened to be in an apartment where there was all these. It was a, it was a psychology PhD candidate, so he had all these books. So I had a look at some of them. So just a little look just showed how completely uh, divorced from the 
concepts of Srimad Bhagavatam, their ideas are. Whatever <laughs> Prabhupada came to save us from, they are pumping it up. Uh-huh. They are reinforcing that. They say, be normal, be natural. For them, be normal and be natural means to be like a somewhat sophisticated cat or dog. Whereas normal or natural actually means to be Krishna conscious. So the normality and naturalness of a devotee is quite different from that of a non-devotee. But in actually in human society, some rules and regulations are required. Um, people say, well, we don't like rules and regulations. It's not normal or natural. That's true. The thing is that we are uh, not in our proper normal or natural condition. Just like a patient has to take medicine. That's not normal or natural to take medicine. But because he's sick, then he needs to adjust his diet and uh, take medicine. So in the same way, uh, in conditioned life, if we want to come to a real normal and natural condition, we have to uh, take some uh, regulate, adopt some regulations. Otherwise, if we say normal and natural in our diseased condition, then uh, our disease will increase more. In our conditioned state, we're in such an abnormal and unnatural situation that we take it to be, we take insanity to be normal and natural. And just like these psychologists, they think they are promoting how to be more insane. Everyone in this world is crazy. But in some ways, those who appear to be normal, they are more crazy. Because the crazy people, at least everyone knows they're crazy, but the normal people think that they're not crazy. That's more crazy. There's a story told of Jawaharlal Jawaharlal Nehru, the first prime minister of so-called independent India, that out of his kindness and compassion, he once visited a lunatic asylum or madhouse or whatever they euphemistically call it in the modern age. What do they call it? Anyway, you wouldn't have it. Psychiatric, psychiatrically challenged, something like that. So he visited the madhouse and he saw one patient and said, what's your name? Who are you? And he told him. And the patient said to him, well, who are you? He said, well, I'm, I'm Jawaharlal Nehru, the Prime Minister of India. He said, don't say that. <laughs> I said that and they put me in here. <laughs> so the... People are thinking, Ishvara ham ham hogi. I am God, I am the controller. Everything is nice here in this material world. But they, Pashyanapina Pashyati, they don't see. It's not nice. They don't see birth, death, old age and disease. They, they just see, I am here, now I should enjoy. And we are now very advanced in the modern age. We, we dig things out of the earth. We shoot satellites into the sky. We have so many facilities for material enjoyment. Never mind that most of the population is somewhat crazy, somewhat 
psychiatrically challenged. People are suffering from depression, hypertension, schizophrenia, etc. But uh, never mind, you can go to the psychiatrist and he'll sort you out and you can go on enjoying life with all these wonderful facilities. And one day you go to the psychiatrist clinic and he's not there. What happened? Oh, he committed suicide. <laughs> well, never mind. There's another psychiatrist. Very good psychiatrist. So take yeah. as much treatment as you can before he commits suicide. Everything's wonderful. Everything's great. Enjoy yourself. Okay? Good. Enjoy while you can. And when you get old, you can dye your hair and have, a, have this uh, operation for lifting your face up. So you can become young again and play tennis and have sex at the age of 80. Life is wonderful. I'm playing tennis at the age of 80. And then they'll write, oh, he had a very good life. Very good life. Yes. Had made lots of money was, and enjoyed himself up to the last minute. Foolish. Buddha Lasta. Yeah. Buddha. <laughs> and they say in Hindi also. Buddha lost it. It means fool. Buddha means intelligence, but Buddha means fool. In your language also means fool. Buddha la. Maybe it comes from Arabic. There's, there's a lot of words in these languages and in India that from Arabic. Well, so, so whether you're an Arabic fool or a Bosnian fool or an Indian fool, the knowledge of Bhagavatam is there so we can stop being foolish. In the modern age, they've made there's so much dedicated to foolishness that they've 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 put it on a pedestal. They study very deeply and write big books on how to become more foolish, how to increase your foolishness, and you can even get a university degree in how to become a greater fool, <laughs> and you can become such a great benefactor to foolish society. That you can, when people are feeling disturbed about their foolish activities, you can convince them to become again a well adjusted fool. I'm feeling frustrated in my life. And so then someone comes and says, Very good, you should feel frustrated. Your life has no meaning. So many people, I go to the psychiatrist, I'm feeling there's no meaning in my life. That's because you don't know Krishna, you chant Hare Krishna, take this Srimad Bhagavatam. Yeah. There is no meaning without Krishna. Instead, they say, Well, you see, you just had to adjust this, and something happened in your childhood, and this and that. And anyway, life is wonderful. So just go on. Very sophisticated, highly developed animalism. So these books that Srila Prabhupada wrote, they're meant to bring a revolution in the misdirected life of a sinful population. Who knows that line which I just quoted? Famous Sanskrit. Anyone know? You should know. Book distributors should know. At least the book distributors should know. Tadvag visargo janataga viplavaha This Srimad Bhagavatam is a different kind of literature to the crow-like literature, crow-like people. And it is meant for bringing about a revolution in the uh, sinful society. Yasmin prati shlokam abadhavatyapi Even though each verse may not be uh, 
exactly composed according to all the complex rules of Sanskrit grammar and syntax and all this kind of thing. Namanya nantasya yashonkitani yat chinvanti gayanti grinanti sadavaha. Because it is meant for the glorification of the unlimited Supreme Lord, therefore, purified men who are thoroughly honest accept it. Uh, they, they hear it, accept it in their hearts, and broadcast it. Purified men who are thoroughly honest hear this Srimad Bhagavatam, accept it within their hearts, and broadcast it. So that is the duty of devotees. We really have no business trying to merge ourselves into this demoniac society. We, we have to live side by side, but we should know that this society, there can, there can, no auspiciousness whatsoever can come from it. Their whole outlook is contaminated. They deny the Supreme Personality of Godhead. They may pay lip service to Him. Or they may accept God as their order supplier. Or they may allow it as a human right to worship God if you like. The humanitarian ethic that you can do anything you like as long as it doesn't harm anyone else. So if you want, you can worship God. If you want, you can be a homosexual. And if you want, you can be a homosexual priest. What does it matter? As long as it doesn't harm anyone, everything's okay. Everything is based on the uh, misunderstanding that we should just be allowed to pursue happiness in whichever way we like. With the underlying misconception that human life is, or any life, it's just, it begins at birth and ends at death. So if you want to believe in God, if it makes you happy, that's okay. I mean, believing God is pretty stupid, they will, they will say. But, you know, if, you want, if it makes you feel good, it's okay. And some humanists will say, that, well, actually religion is quite good because it helps to make people moral. And even some psychologists might grudgingly admit that persons who have belief in God, they are more uh, psychologically Balanced. They don't want to say that too much, though, because they, they think belief in God in itself is an abnormal state. All anthrocentric. <laughs> and there's another, this other theory, theocentric, but there's no question of theo, shall we accept theocentric, anthrocentric, or whatever, because actually Krishna is in the center. But they, they are denying. Therefore, they have to suffer so much in this life and in future lives also. And therefore they can be happy neither in this life and certainly not in future lives. So, in this and the previous verse, we have directions... No, actually not this last two verses. We have uh, information about how man can actually live in harmony with nature by recognizing who is the Lord of all. This nature is not meant for our exploitation. This... Uh, so-called Christian idea that God gave us all the animals so we could slit their throats and eat them. It's actually a demoniac misinterpretation. But rather understand that all living beings are part and parcel of Krishna. That's why a Vaishnava will not knowingly harm even an ant. So humanism is a limited concept. The Vedic concept is vasundhaiva kotambakam all living beings are a 
near and dear family members. Advaishta sarvabhutanam maitra karuna evacha. With, with a, a devotee has no bad feeling towards any beings, but uh, has is the well-wisher of all and is compassionate to all. And therefore, sarvabhuta hiterataha, always engaged in activities for the welfare of all human society. Not all, all society, not only human. So without understanding this, without acting on this platform, one cannot actually be a devotee. Krishna consciousness is not a religion in the ordinary sense of the term. But it is a complete commitment to Krishna. So one cannot be completely committed to Krishna unless he knows who Krishna is, what Krishna wants of us. One cannot live in Krishna consciousness if one is uh, infected with the demoniac misphilosophies of this misdirected civilization. Therefore Prabhupada gave us these books so we can understand what is the actual situation. We should read and absorb and understand and worship these books. Hare Krishna, Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai, Srila Prabhupada ki jai. Today, some devotees say... Oh, whatever it is, it's probably bogus. There's so, <laughs> so many ideas. If it's in Prabhupada's books, if it's what he taught us, it's okay. If not, just Prabhupada, throw it out. Yes, so. he, he said the question, but some devotees said that service is more important than sadhana. And if you have service, then sadhana is not more important. But what you he said that you heard that you said that if we perform sadhana that's also service so of course explain about this well again you have to see what Prabhupada said what did he say and what did he prescribe for us did Prabhupada ever say that <laughs> <laughs> there's it's described in Srila Prabhupada Lilamrita that once Srila Prabhupada went to Los Angeles and he was sitting on the Vyasa sun before giving class and he asked one devotee, are you chanting 16 rounds daily? No. And asked another one, are you chanting 16 rounds? No. And Prabhupada asked, why? He said, oh, we're so busy with service, there's no time for chanting. But what they didn't tell was that the leaders had told them that if you're, if you're doing service full time, then there's no need to chant 16 rounds. So we have evidence from Prabhupada that he didn't accept that. He didn't accept that you just sit and do all day sadhana. And he didn't accept that you do service with no sadhana. He gave us both. So why don't we follow that? We have so many wonderful ways to become more intelligent. But we accept a guru because we're not intelligent. And we can accept as guru someone who is intelligent enough to follow Prabhupada. <laughs> Prabhupada was the most intelligent because his intelligence was completely surrendered to his guru and all the way in parampara up to Krishna. Okay, anything else? Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.